welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is J. Fred Godoy. Dr. Godoy is a postdoctoral research associate with the WSU Winter Wheat Breeding Program. J. Fred is originally from the Philippines and first joined WSU in 2011 as a PhD student in the Department of Crop and Soil Sciences. His current research includes the application of high-throughput phenotyping tools and genomic selection in wheat breeding. Hello, Jayford. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, interested in the work you're doing uh, in Dr. Carter's lab, I believe. Yes. Dr. Aaron Carter, our winter wheat breeder. And um, this high-throughput phenotyping, is you're, I'm reading about it all over the place. I'm sure some of our listeners are, too. Can you tell us a little bit about... Um, genomic selection and how it differs from marker-assisted selection, uh, the latter, marker-assisted selection, being uh, fairly commonly used these days in plant breeding programs. Yeah, okay. So first, genomic selection, I would say, is a relatively new strategy in plant breeding, and I would say relatively new in terms of its application routinely in plant breeding programs. And in genomic selection, it would allow you to predict breeding value of individual lines and using molecular markers. So in contrast, and you, you've men mentioned marker-assisted selection, which is, I think, most common um, to most of our listeners or to all uh -huh. our listeners. In mass, you're you also using molecular markers. However, in, in mass, you only use a limited number of molecular markers. And these are molecular markers previously identified that are linked to major QTL or genes controlling the specific traits of interest to the plant breeders. But in genomic selection, you're using a higher density of molecular markers. You see usually genome-wide molecular markers okay. in thousands or hundreds of thousands simultaneously to estimate breeding performance of individuals. Okay, so our knowledge base is going from just working with a few to just working with many and uh, must it's, be a computational nightmare. Maybe it was exactly. at one time, but today maybe <laughs> so that, more that's easily the, handled. That's, that's part of the challenges for this genomic selection is how could we um, analyze all this um, huge data set. Okay. So having all this, a lot more information, uh, one of the advantages of genomic selection? Yeah. So um, genomic selection is very effective in um, improving polygenic traits or traits that are controlled by many um, genetic regions with small effects. Now, mass, and this is where mass actually has gained um, little success throughout the years. Um, because in mass, remember, you're only using a very limited number of markers, and usually these markers are linked to, or these markers have larger effects. But you are throwing out a, a greater percentage also of the genetic variation of the trait, because you are not accounting for those regions which have small, small effects, but cumulatively would, would add to a, a bigger um, proportion of the genetic variation of the trait. Now, I'm not saying this is bad, but mass is very effective for traits that are governed by major genes, such as right. disease resistance, but not really much for, for complex traits such as grain yield. Now, in genomic selection, because we are using 
all available markers, you're not selecting each individual markers, then you're pretty much sure you've covered the whole genome and you've accounted, and that way you, you are accounting for uh, the regions with small, small effects. And so you have, you have covered a higher proportion of the genetic variation of the trait. And in doing genomic selection, the initial steps would be associating, again, the marker to the trait and assigning individual um, effects on the markers. And once you have established this relationship, then you can actually have another set of lines where you only have marker data of and then predict the performance of that line without even in phenotyping them in the field, without field evaluation. And that would really significantly reduce your cost and time. And that would improve ultimately your, your, your genetic gain in the breeding program. Okay. And time seems to be coming more and more important, uh, especially has always been in things like corn, or at least in the last several decades, but it's becoming very important yeah. in wheat now too. Yeah, exactly. And, and in, in based on um, published um, research, really significantly using genomic selection could reduce breeding time in at least three, three, three years or five years even. Okay, very good. So how is genomic selection implemented in a wheat breeding program? Okay, so the, the major component of, components of a genomic selection approach is there's two major populations. So the first is a training population, which is both genotype and phenotype, and you have a candidate population, which is untested or unphenotype, but only genotype. So the training population is where you build your genomic selection model or you train your model. And that's where you establish this, the association between the marker and the trait. And your candidate population, which only has your, your genotype, will be the ones that you're gonna use the model. So once you've established your model, you just plug in the genotypic data of the candidate population, and there you can predict the performance of the candidate population without phenotypic evaluation. And in relating that to a breeding program, so your training population would be a group of varieties or cultivars that are that the breeder really likes. So they may have good agronomic performance, good disease resistance, excellent annuals quality traits. So these lines, this population will be phenotype in different environments across years, and then they will be genotype. And from there, the genomic selection models will be created. And then your candidate population will be the offsprings maybe of these elite genotypes from the training population or offsprings from different crosses of cultivars from the breeding program. And so once you've established the genomic selection model from your training population or of the elite lines, you can now predict the performance of the lines in the um, candidate population, again, without field evaluation. Okay, so models usually are changing. Are you tweaking these models as you go along and you learn a little bit more about how well different traits relate exactly. to other traits? Exactly. So that's the really the crucial part of any genomic selection program is you, you should have the best model to have the highest accuracy in predicting the performance of lines. So you can see it every, every cycle you probably have to update or retrain your model in order to to catch up with the, the, the new phenotype information, the new um, traits that you are working on. So it's a constant um, retrain and test your model so you could have a better model every, every time you predict um, new candidate lines. Okay. We've tossed out the word phenotyping yeah. several times. I wonder if you could explain to our listeners what phenotyping is. Okay, yeah. So basically in, in, in plant breeding, phenotyping is just similar to um, uh, 
evaluation of the specific trait. So measuring um, traits, like for example, measuring disease resistance, scoring how a plant is resistant or susceptible in a field, wherein you score them in a, in a scale of maybe one to a five or one to 10. So that's basically phenotyping. It's measuring okay. the, their, their um, but we could say performance in the field. Okay. Yeah. So that's a phenotype. Yep. So which types of traits will genomic selection be more effective for improving breed e breeding efficiency on and genetic gain? So, yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, um, GS would be very good for um, more complex traits. And I would say example for this are those, those traits also that um, require uh, more number of field trials or evaluation in order to have to come up with a more reliable estimate. So traits like grain yield or yield component traits, because right. you can't trust a one year measurement of grain yield because you don't know next year genetic environment comes in or just don't know what's coming in. So you can't really rely on just one estimate of grain yield. Another would be traits that are really expensive to measure or traits that require more, more seeds to measure. So I, I could think of, um, those end-use quality traits, for example, um, um, baking qualities. So you need a certain number, amount of seeds in order to bake a cake and test if, oh, the, if this line is good for baking. Okay. So the, 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 what you call this, the struggle for that in your breeding programs, you have to wait on a certain generation that you can have this number of seeds in order to test it. Okay, so if you could do genomic selection earlier without the need for phenotyping, you could do it earlier, and that would improve again your your um, your genetic gain because you could do that in a couple times in a year. And then the last thing would be even some of these diseases resistance traits where there's it's not governed by major resistance genes, but are really difficult to screen year to year because of inconsistencies with inconsistencies with um, disease pressure. So, for example, like snow mold, um, you are not assured that every year you'll have a good snow cover, so right. your phenotype won't be that reliable. So those kinds of traits. Okay, so I can see a number of things that would be very useful for in a breeding program. And I assume WSU's breeding program is gearing up, or are we using, is the breeding program using these tools now, or are they just trying to get geared up so they can use them in, in yeah, the Yeah, exactly. So future? now we're at an early stage of the genomic selection um, strategy. So now we are developing models and building models on different traits from end use quality traits to agronomic for performance to disease, um, disease traits. And hopefully this would become a, a routine part of the, the breeding program and because of the several benefits that I've talked um, with um, earlier. So. Okay, so you're doing a postdoctoral research position right now. What are your plans for the future? Yes, I'm hoping that with this additional training in genomic selection, high throughput phenotyping would uh, make me more, um, would improve, would add to my um, skill set so I could be more competitive in applying for a breeding position in, a, in, in, a, in the industry or in a, in a seed company. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, we're sure happy to have you here at WSU right now helping us figure out this new uh, genomic selection approach, and hopefully that will pay big dividends down the road. Thank you very much, Jayford. Okay, thanks, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, 
please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.